Hello everyone. My name is Dr. Bob Boyd and I'm here today to talk to you about something that I think is very, very exciting new news from Align Technology about Invisalign. And that is the correction of deep overbite. I've been involved with Align Technology since the inception in 1997. And this is certainly one of the most exciting things that I've seen come along. So when we speak about deep overbite correction, there's some important questions. And one is, why is it important? Second one, why is it challenging? How do we correct deep overbite with fixed or Invisalign? And is there any evidence that Invisalign can correct deep overbite? So first off, in the importance, there's a clear functional relationship, and that is that with a deep overbite, you can actually get palatal impingement, as the white arrow shows in the middle slide, or on the right side, you can see that you can have extreme wear from the upright position of the uh, incisors. Now also, deep bite correction is important because many times we can improve aesthetics. For example, if we torque the upper and lower incisors to the correct angulation, frequently that will lead to more fullness of the lip, and sometimes that shows more vermilion border, which is a sign of youth. And also, from the profile, we can see more fullness in the lips. Now also, it's important to point out that deep overbite is one of the most relapse-prone malocclusions. And so many studies have shown that you can have as much as 20 to 40% relapse down the line with deep overbite. Now, the theory is that, and many clinicians have suggested this, is that there's an ideal interincisal angle of approximately 130 degrees. And that attaining that will help in the stability of the deep overbite. So there is a correlation. However, I think most clinicians do consider deep overbite correction as one of those malocclusions that may need lifetime retention. Now also, there's a few related questions such as, does deep overbite cause TMD? The answer is no. Does deep overbite cause distal positioning of the condyles? No. Does distal positioning of the condyles cause TMD? The answer is no. And does Invisalign cause TMD? And of course, the work of Medca and Wheeler both show that uh, TMD can actually be uh, managed very nicely during treatment with Invisalign because of the double splint effect. Now, why is it challenging? Well, first off, with fixed, patients bite off their brackets. And so we've learned a long time ago that that can lengthen the treatment time. Now, what we're hoping, of course, is with this new deep bite correction, and so far it seems very true, that we can treat more efficiently to lessen the treatment time. Now, also, we've learned that we frequently need the hard bite turbos or bite ramps on the lingual, which are very difficult for patients to get used to as far as speech and also chewing and eating. And, of course, what we'll be showing you in this presentation is that the bite ramps that Align has are going to be much more comfortable and less problematic for speech. Now another important finding that makes deep bite more challenging is that it has been found to have more root resorption. And of course, that can be a real problem. Now with Invisalign, there are no studies yet that show additional root resorption from deep bite correction with Invisalign. Now also, how do we do it with fixed appliances? Let's contrast Invisalign and fixed appliances. 
So most of your leading clinicians in textbooks and articles have advocated the leveling of the curve of speed by intruding the incisors with lingual root torque. And this is because deep bite is highly associated with a deep curve of speed and retro-inclined incisors. Now, how is deep overbite corrected with Invisalign? Well, it's actually very much the same mechanism. And so primarily leveling of the lower curve of speed, as we'll see in this presentation, by intruding the lower incisors and sometimes extruding premolars. Now, occasionally we may intrude upper incisors depending on the aesthetics of the smile. And of course, another important point is adding the correct amount of lingual root torque to try and achieve as close to possible to the 130 degree interincisal angle. Now also, is there any evidence that Invisalign can correct deep bites? And myself and others have published quite a number of case studies which indicate that, but that's only the first level of evidence in the literature. Recently, there was an article in 2013 in the Journal of Clinical Orthodontics done in Italy, which showed in a prospective longitudinal clinical trial that the nine patients studied all had an average increase in anterior root torque of 10 degrees and significant correction of the deep overbite. Additionally, in the German Orthodontic Journal in 2011, it showed not only that rotations are corrected almost completely with one set of aligners, but that you, when you corrected the overbite, you might be about a millimeter less than what you projected on the ClinCheck. Now this is for mild to moderate overbite. With a severe overbite, most clinicians have found that we actually will correct it as much as two millimeters of overcorrection. Now also, of course, today is going to be about so-called G5 innovations. And I want to emphasize that what's really going on here is that Align has worked very hard to make the integration of new features like power ridges and getting the proper torque of incisors to direct forces along the long axis of the teeth and then also as needed to extrude premolars with the proper attachments when needed to level the curve of speed. And of course the precision bite ramps to disclude posterior teeth and increase intrusive forces, especially on the lower incisors. So thank you all. Thank you for the introduction. What I'd like to talk to you about today is science of Invisalign G5, the biomechanics of Invisalign G5. If you recall, the clinical innovations through the past years from 2009 on through 2011 were feature sets improving treatment outcome with Invisalign. In 2013, we introduced a new material. Now in 2014, I introduce to you Invisalign G5, Innovations for Deep Bite, the Biomechanics. Invisalign G5 is a series of features. They're innovations in treating deep bites. They're engineered to help improve the clinical outcomes in deep bite treatment. All of the innovations through past years is to improve clinical outcome. So what is G5? Smart force features. They're designed to improve control of the anterior intrusion and premolar extrusion when treating deep bites. We'll talk about the science, the mechanics, how do we actually accomplish that with the aligner itself. We also have precision bite ramps, and they're designed to disocclude the posterior teeth, which is beneficial in terms of treating deep bites as well. During the panel discussion, the doctors will talk how these features and these sets actually can be used to get better treatment outcomes when, when treating deep bite cases. <clears throat> so, features. What do we address? If you believe that 
uh, programming and aligner for intrusion on a single tooth produces a force through the apex of the tooth, does it? We actually measured it on our benchtop equipment, and as we determined, it does not produce a force through the apex of the tooth nor through the center of resistance. It actually produces a force that's over at about 45 degrees or so, as you see in the diagram, the red. So this is not that effective in producing intrusion of a single tooth. So our feature set is to address the improvement of that direction. Can we get the force through the apex of the tooth? What we've done, we produced a pressure area. And you see the diagram on the top right introduces a pressure area which concentrates force on the lingual aspect of the tooth to counteract the lingual force that was being produced by the aligner. What we now do, if you look at the diagram on the bottom left, notice that the red vector is now improved, greatly improved, and nearly through the apex of the tooth. We anticipate that the white force produced by the pressure point will produce the red vector and give you more effective intrusion of a single tooth for anterior intrusion. Now, if we have one tooth for intrusion, this does not treat a deep bite case. So we need to treat all anterior teeth. If we took the same solution and we poured that to the other three teeth, does it produce a correct force system to intrude all four teeth? No, it doesn't. So what we actually did was we changed the activations. We balanced the forces in the anterior. And if you look at the diagram on the bottom right, with the new pressure areas that we have on all four of the anterior teeth, all four teeth receive equivalent force and now will be intruded as a group. A unit will intrude. Now, according to Newton's third law, if you have an action, there must be a reaction, an equivalent reaction. So if we're intruding the anterior teeth, we'll get extrusive forces of equivalence on the posterior dentition. The diagram on the left makes that fairly clear. So we do recognize that if you try to intrude the anterior teeth, when you go to insert the aligner, it'll have a tendency from the reaction forces to disengage from the posterior dentition. So in the field for many years, people have wondered, what is the proper retention requirement? Do I use an attention, a retention attachment on the bicuspid, on the second bicuspid? Is it on the first molar? What do you do? Our measurement equipment has indicated that a bicuspid uh, attachment for deep bite on both bicuspids bilaterally is sufficient to uh, support anterior intrusion. It's also possible that in the lower arch, as you're intruding the anterior teeth, you wish to level the curve of speed. If you do, we can actually pass those reaction forces to the two bicuspids, and if it's necessary to extrude them, to activate them further so they get proper extrusive force, thereby extruding the bicuspids, intruding the lower anterior teeth, leveling the curve of speed for effective deep bite treatment. So the bicuspids can be extruded if it's required in the treatment. This would actually be evident in the ClinCheck that you approve. If the bicuspids are extruding, they will actually get activation for extrusion. Deep bite attachments for extrusion are activated to deliver the extrusive force that's necessary. To extrude teeth, we only need about 30 grams of force. We've designed these attachments so that they produce approximately that intraorally. So controlling the delivery of the reaction forces, that's what makes for better, more predictable treatment. Doctors treat with actions and reactions anterior versus posterior. That's what's being controlled in the aligner with the biomechanical approach that we've taken. Another aspect to the G5 innovations is precision bite ramps. So I'll talk a little bit about the precision bite ramps now. The main guide for this is to disocclude the posterior teeth. Clinicians believe that in disocluding the teeth, you have an unopposed eruption that's possible. 
perhaps the movement of those teeth is, is not impeded. The goal is to disagglute the posterior teeth. What we've actually done is position bite ramps on the anterior teeth to produce contacts. Now, there is a conventional bite ramp which exists today that many doctors have used. They actually believe it disoccludes the posterior teeth and perhaps produces other forces on the anterior group. The doctors in the session will actually talk about what their beliefs are and how they affect this clinically. The differences between the conventional and what we're now uh, introducing in Invisalign G5, the new bite ramp is positioned to create premature contact on the opposing tooth. Each bite ramp has a different level to it. It's dependent upon the opposing tooth position. The size and shape is determined specific to the tooth. This is patient-specific treatment. This is something that's very new in orthodontics this way, specific tooth by tooth with aligners. Also, the bite ramps, are, they're repositioned aligner by aligner throughout the stage of treatment. As the teeth are leveling, as they're intruding, the position of the bite ramp is changing. We can determine this in the software and fabricate the aligner such that it has this. This is quite an improvement. So the positioning of the bite ramps, how large can they actually be? In the field, people have wondered for years, can we build a one millimeter bite ramp or two? How large can it actually support the forces from the mandible? Significant overjet can be accommodated. The sagittal prominence that we've measured is possible up to three millimeter and can support bite load quite well. Now, what we talked about in the first part was about precision optimized attachments. And in those, it's balancing the forces within one arch. When you look at a bite ramp, the action and the reaction is from the maxilla to the mandible. The reaction is being produced by the forces from the muscle of the mandible. So in summary, Invisalign G5 innovations for deep bite. We have smart force features that are designed to improve control of anterior intrusion and the premolar extrusion. And we have precision bite ramps that are designed to disoclude the posterior teeth. Let's just recap briefly what the G5 features are for deep bite correction. You get pressure areas on the aligners to redirect the intrusive force along the long axis of the tooth. You get the deep bite attachments on the first premolar to anchor the anterior intrusion. And you get the precision bite ramps on the aligners if you feel you need them to disoclude the posterior teeth for improved efficiency. In order to get the G5 features in your treatment plan, you just request the overbite to be corrected. You do that either via the prescription form or during clean check modification by typing a comment. Remember, you don't have to ask for the features, you have to ask for the movements, and the software will automatically place the features that are needed. When you're intruding anterior teeth only, you select the upper, lower, or both on the form based on your treatment plan, and you'll get the pressure areas on the aligners on the upper and lower incisors, on the lower canines, but they're not needed on the upper canines to redirect the force. The deep bite attachment will be placed on the first premolar for anchorage. And note that if other movements are also programmed into the first premolar, while the rotation or root control attachments also have enough retention force to anchor the anterior intrusion, you will probably get a second retention attachment on the second premolar. If you also want to extrude the premolar simultaneously as you're intruding the anterior teeth to level the curve of speed, you will get pressure areas on the aligners, and the deep bite attachments on the premolars will be activated to add the extrusive component to the anchorage. If your case will benefit from having bite ramps to disoclude the posterior teeth, you request them on the prescription form, 
and select either incisors, where you can have them on the centrals, on the laterals, or on both, or you select the canines. You'll get the precision bite ramps on the incisors, but if intrusion is also programmed on these teeth, the pressure areas will be removed to make room for the bite ramps. If, on the other hand, you want bite ramps on the canines, you will get the conventional bite ramps, but they will not conflict with the pressure areas on the incisors, so you can have both. In conclusion, when you're intruding the lower incisors, you'll get pressure areas on the lower aligners, and if your case benefits from it, you can also request precision bite ramps on the upper incisors or upper canines. When you're intruding the upper incisors, you'll get pressure areas on the upper aligners, and in order not to conflict, if you do believe your case will benefit from the bite ramps, you can then request the bite ramps on the canines alone. This concludes the overview of the clinical protocols for the G5 deep bite correction. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us. We're here today to show you some exciting new innovations from Align Technology. My name is Bob Boyd, and joining me are Dr. Bill Cotterman and Dr. Maz Mashiri. Our first patient today is a patient that I treated with two of my residents at the University of Pacific, and that's Dr. Jihan An and Dr. Eric Norberg. Craig is a 60-year-old Caucasian male whose chief complaint was that his upper and lower incisors were retro-inclined, interfering with his bite. And if you look at his uh, profile and also his uh, intraoral shot on the right, you'll notice that the most outstanding characteristic is the severe retro-inclination of his incisors and also the deep overbite with a little bit of crowding. But he was class one in the posterior segments. If you look at the proportions, both vertically and horizontally, you'll see that they're well-proportioned. And also, intraorally, that his midlines were both slightly to the right. And if we look at the E-line, we notice that his lips are significantly behind the E-line, and that would be, of course, reflected by the severe retro-inclination of the incisors. And I use a line called the anterior limit line of Andrews, which would indicate where the upper incisal edge ought to be. And if you look, you can see that it's about seven or eight millimeters behind that line, again, indicating severe retroinclination. Now, cephalometrically, the most outstanding characteristic of this patient is that his inner incisal angle is 160 degrees. And that's very high, several standard deviations high. And so one of our big goals is to correct that. And also, of course, the low mandibular plane. And if you look at the other measurements, you'll also see the retro-inclined upper and lower incisors. Now, our treatment plan consisted of the goals of first correcting the deep bite. And the way we're going to do that is to level the lower curve of speed with anterior intrusion. And I'll use some bite ramps for that, which I'll show, and also premolar extrusion. The next goal was to remove the heavy traumatic occlusion from the incisors and achieve a proper buccolingual inclination of the incisors. And to accomplish that, I'm going to apply power ridges on the labial of the upper and lower incisors throughout the course of the treatment. And I'm going to ask for uh, 45 degrees of torque. And then I will place attachments on the canines and premolars to facilitate the anchorage for more uh, difficult intrusive movements, and then uh, 
at the end and throughout the treatment there will be torque applied to the incisors. My other goal of future prosthetic uh, restoration would be that he had small lateral incisors as indicated by the Bolton's analysis and so we're going to widen those with composite restorations at the end. Now to achieve these treatment goals on the prescription form I into the section of correct the deep bite I have checked to intrude anterior and extrude premolars on the upper and the lower. And on part number eight on the prescription form, I have checked to place bite ramps on the lingual of these teeth on the lateral incisors and the central incisors. I might have put the canines on if there had been more significant overjet present. Now the uh, special instructions on the prescription form uh, refer to the amount of torque and that is 45 degrees which will dictate the number of stages and of course with that the big thing is compliance with that many stages so we're going to have to really work at compliance and the way that I do that is I use the compliance indicators the blue dots on the teen product which Dr. Tunjai from Temple University found in a study to be very reliable among the same patient and the other thing I do is to have the ClinCheck open each time the patient comes in so that we can review it to reinforce that. And of course, always use praise for good cooperation. Now on the treatment overview form, you'll notice that there are some new additions. And first off, where it says bite ramp, you'll see the four blue triangles. Those indicate the uh, bite ramps to disocclude the posterior teeth and help open the bite and get some more intrusive force on the incisors. And then you also see the pressure areas on the lower incisors, which indicate the pressure to intrude those teeth, which I believe is helped by the contact with the lingual bite turbos on the upper. And also you see the torque that is applied, 45 degrees on the four upper incisors and 36 degrees on the lower incisors. So you'll notice that on the ClinCheck treatment plan, You'll see as I play the movie that the attachments are acting as anchors to intrude primarily the lower incisors, but a little bit on the upper incisors just to get the incisal edges level from the frontal view. Now, if we look at the lateral view, you'll see sort of the same things from that view where the incisors are being intruded and torquing. And you can see that as it goes along to completion. And we've actually provided sort of an acute interincisal angle, anticipating that we won't get 100% of this correction. Now, I've also included a view of the side shot of the lower arch. And what I want to call your attention to is the intrusion of the lower incisors, the blue against the darker background. And I also want to call your attention to the amount of torque. And I'll be curious to see what Dr. Kotteman and Dr. Masiri have to say about the number of stages or the amount of torque that I've included in this. So with that, I'd like to uh, open this up to some discussions. Uh, Bill, Mosh, what do you think about the amount of torque? I've, first of all, I like how you language it to the text, apparently. You mentioned you were adding 45 degrees of torque. Uh, clearly from your initial um, point. When I uh, asked the tech to do my treatment plan, 
I'll tell them to go beyond ideal by a certain amount. I think to get to that same endpoint is the point. And I totally agree with you that I'd like to see at least 10 degrees or better beyond what would I consider ideal torque to be to make sure I get there. Yeah, one of the things that motivated me, I saw some work that's not published from Tim Wheeler at Florida, and he talked about the effect of age on tooth movement. And, of course, this patient is 60 years old. So I kind of arbitrarily added more stage or more torque, more bite opening for that reason as well. First of all, great case. I wanted to uh, just touch on your point. Sometimes in adults, I may add more aligners too to slow it down, just given the fact that, again, tooth movement may be slower, just like we're talking about over-treating in terms of adding the torque. But in teenagers, I'm not sure what your feeling is, I may not do that, just because I feel like their teeth respond better. To the I, I agree blood. with that completely. Yeah. Another interesting point, I think, by adding the um, uh, built-in bite ramps that we have now and asking for extrusion of the bicuspids, there's a reasonable chance we might get it now because we are discluding those posterior teeth to give them a chance to extrude, where before, without discluding those posterior teeth, I don't know that that could happen very often. Well, that's a good point, and that is really exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you also, Dr. Moshiri. And now I'd like to switch over to Dr. Kotteman so that you can show us your two cases, which are younger patients. They are. Thank you, Bob. I'd like to now show actually two cases today, uh, two young males, both with deep bites, both similar, I should say actually dissimilar smiles that I want to compare and contrast to how I'm going to treat them. Our first case, Garrison, is a 13 and a half year old boy. And if we look at Garrison, we can see that he has a fair amount of gingival display when he smiles. So I want to make sure that I address his gingival display, uh, importantly, to level out that smile line and get it as aesthetic as, as possible. If we look at Garrison's pan, we can see in both arches there is an excessive amount of extrusion of those anterior teeth. So clearly the lower teeth do need some uh, intrusion as well. Looking at a cephalometric x-ray, we can see some pretty upright uh, central incisors. The lower incisors are well positioned within the jaw. And so the treatment plan is going to include certainly leveling both the upper and the lower incisors, but my goal is to level the upper slightly more to make sure that I address the gingival display that he shows upon smiling. And so I am going to employ the new G5 bite ramps to make sure that I'm going to push directly on those centrals. And at the same time, I'm, I'm going to assume that I'm going to get some intrusion of those lower anteriors through the occlusal forces of Garrison chewing on his aligners. We also are going to use um, the deep bite attachments on the bicuspids to aid retention of the aligners because clearly as we intrude the anteriors, the aligners want to slip off the posterior teeth because of the reciprocal forces. So the attachments will help ensure that the aligners are retained on the teeth. We also, uh, with G5, see that we now have pressure areas and pressure points which help direct the force of intrusion along the long axis of the tooth. These are automatically determined by the software dependent on the movement of the teeth. We need to improve the torque of his upper incisors. And so to do that, uh, we procline, intrude, and retract. The software now, actually with G4, does that automatically. And so we're going to tip the teeth 
intrude them, again with the help of the bite ramps to make sure that we're intruding them along the long axis of the tooth and then we'll retract them as we need to. We also saw that Garrison is actually class 2 on the left side and so I want to be sure and correct his class 2 skeletal problem by employing some class 2 elastics. Another little tip there in our class 2 corrections is that if we rotate the molars measly out as part of our treatment plan, that will aid in our class 2 correction, as we all know. So in a prescription form, I'm going to ask to intrude the anterior teeth only, upper and lowers, and then we're also going to ask for uh, a bite ramp to aid with the intrusion of those centrals. So I chose to put the bite ramps only on the centrals because his upper centrals were clearly super erupted compared to his other teeth. A couple treatment challenges. I found at the end of treatment that typically a patient's overbite, if we start with a deep bite to begin with, is usually two millimeters deeper clinically than what the ClinCheck shows. And so I'm going to ask to overtreat that overbite by roughly two millimeters. So that is going to be built into my prescription. Also, when we start with lingually tipped teeth, and Bob, you alluded to this earlier, we need to have extra labial crown torque on those upper incisors to do that. So I asked them to over-treat the labial crown torque by 10 to 12 degrees in my treatment form, which we'll see here in just a minute. In fact, let's look at our initial treatment plan for Garrison. And again, we can see that very deep bite with those upper centrals somewhat uh, super erupted, particularly compared to those upper laterals. So you can see in my treatment plan, uh, I'm going to ask specifically to set the overbite to 0.5 millimeters at the centrals and actually um, 0 millimeters at the laterals by intruding the upper anteriors 60%, the lowers 40. I'm doing this in addition to clicking those two radio buttons that I did where I said intrude upper anteriors, lower anteriors. I can be a little more precise by asking for this to hopefully get those upper incisors intruded and deal with that gingival smile. I'm also going to labial crown torque those upper centrals 12 degrees beyond ideal. When I give my instructions, I'm telling the techs to do this beyond what I consider ideal. I noticed, Bob, you asked for 45 degrees of torque in your case, uh, starting from the initial point. The point is those two instructions get us to the same end point, which is over treatment of the torque, which I think is real important. We're also going to rotate the upper incisors uh, and overcorrect the in and outs of the incisors, so I always look at any um, issues that I want to treat with that. If we look at our treatment overview form then, we can see the bite ramps that are on the upper incisors, and then you also notice those pressure areas that are, autom that are automatically placed on the lower incisors by the software. This ensures that when we're intruding the teeth, we're going to be intruding them along the long axis of the tooth. Here is an example of the bite ramps then just on those central incisors. And my understanding is as the treatment progresses, those bite ramps will actually automatically move to make sure that the teeth are always being discluded by the um, uh, occlusion of the patient. Uh, we're going to look now at the, the movie of the patient's ClinCheck to see how the, um, the teeth move. And we can see the initial overbite, uh, the deep bite, as the treatment progresses, the point I really want to stress is that the, at the end of the aligners, 
you can see that over-treated overbite. You can see the upper centrals are at half a millimeter, the laterals are at zero. Again, realizing we're always going to see a deeper bite clinically than what the ClinCheck shows at the end of treatment. If we, if we look now at the side view, the same idea, we look at how the incisors and the anteriors are being intruded, and notice that we'll see the jump of the class two correction, which the rubber bands will achieve for us. And so the last three aligners, the overcorrection aligners, only deal with the rotations in, the, uh, in and outs of the teeth. And now we'll look at our next view when we look uh, as if we were looking at the patient's chin to see where the um, uh, overcorrections are going to take place. And you'll notice as the treatment progresses now, as we get to the end of the aligners, the teeth were originally rotated with the distals inward slightly, and so that at the end of treatment, you'll notice that they work out, so now we can see the correction up here in the upper incisor rotations. Okay, let's stop with Garrison. Now I want to introduce my second case, Ronan. He has equally as deep a bite as Garrison did. However, if we'll notice in Ronan, when we look at his smile, his gingival display is pretty normal. Also, if we look at a side view, we can see his upper uh, incisors are plenty labially proclined. So I'm not worried about torque in, in Ronan's case. Looking at uh, Ronan's pan, we can see that both arches, again, need leveling. If we look at his cephalometric x-ray, we can see his upper incisors are out at a, a slightly protrusive angle, 104, which is certainly not bad. So I'm happy with the torque, in other words. I'm not going to try and change the torque in Ronan's case. So in addressing Ronan's deep bite, we're not going to need bite ramps. Uh, I'm planning on simply intruding his upper and lower anteriors equally. And so we will have the deep bite attachments on the bicuspids in order to ensure that the aligners are retained on the teeth while we are intruding those in uh, incisors. And then also, we'll automatically see pressure points and pressure areas put on to enhance that intrusion. Ronan started with spacing. And so we may have to add virtual C chains at the end of treatment in order to make sure that we have tight contacts at the end. And because of the protrusion and closing up the spaces, we may also use some class II elastics in Ronan's case to help retract those anteriors adequately. So our prescription form, we are again going to ask to intrude the anterior teeth only, both upper and lower anterior teeth. And in this case, when we come to the bite ramp section, we're not going to ask for bite ramps because I don't think we'll need them in Ronan's case. So looking now at Ronan, comparing him to Garrison's case, again, similar deep bite, we're going to again ask to set the overbite to 0.5 millimeters at the centrals just simply by intruding the upper and lower anteriors. And then I'm going to list out my overcorrections arch by arch. I've just recently started doing it in this more bullet point format, uh, and I found that the technicians can typically follow my instructions a little more clearly than just writing a continuous paragraph of what I want them to do. Looking at his treatment overview form, again, we can see we have uh, power ridges and we also have pressure areas that the software has automatically added so that we can get the intrusion that we require uh, to happen. You can also note 
that we have precision cuts placed by the software uh, to address the class two correction if we need to do that. So now if we look at um, Ronan's case here from, from the front view, we can see that as, as things are moving along, you can see at stage 11 actually that's where the uh, precision attachments and cuts came into place. But again, at the end of treatment, there is our overtreated overbite uh, so that we have the minimal overbite uh, so that we hopefully will get the ideal overbite then at the end of treatment. And looking from our, our side view, we can see the same thing. I also at this point want to point out the attachments on the bicuspid teeth. You'll notice on the upper and lower second bicuspids we see the G5 extrusion attachments. These are the attachments then that are designed to retain the aligners on the teeth when we're intruding those anterior teeth. You'll also note though that on the first bicuspids we see different attachments. Those are optimized attachments for the movement of the teeth specifically the space closure that's been called for, and so we have some root helping attachments there. Those attachments as well offer plenty of retention of the aligners, so I'm not worried about the aligner not being retained when we try and intrude those anterior teeth. So in conclusion, I want to compare and contrast Garrison's and Ronan's two treatments. Uh, as we saw with Garrison, we wanted to intrude his upper anteriors more than his lowers. So to aid that, we asked to have some bite ramps placed so that I could get some differential pressure on those upper central incisors, as well as get some extra intrusive forces on the lower anteriors by using the patient's occlusion. G5 pressure areas will also aid in that intrusion. In contrast, as we can see, Ronan has a normal smile line, so I simply asked just to intrude both upper and lower anterior teeth equally I didn't feel that bite ramps were needed because of that. I felt comfortable that we could get the intrusion that we needed just with the G5 pressure points and pressure areas in the aligners. That pretty much sums it up for these two guys. Any questions? I actually have a question, uh, Dr. Kotterman. On the, for both gentlemen, I noticed Dr. Boyd in his case had uh, the G5 attachment indicated for extrusion of the premolar segments, but in your cases, you opted to just have them as retentive attachments. Uh, what would guide your decision one way or the other? A great point. Um, in, in Dr. Boyd's case, we saw that he had a low mandibular plane angle. I did not point that out with both Garrison and Ronan, but they have normal um, uh, mandibular plane angles. So I felt that I did not need to get any extra extrusion of the bicuspids. Makes sense. Excellent. I had a question, too. Um, a lot of us have used bite turbos, bite ramps over the years with fixed. Uh, sometimes I put them on posterior, sometimes the anterior. And I'd like to get your feeling about the difference between employing uh, these bite ramps, as you've shown, versus your experience with fixed appliances. Well, first of all, Bob, with fixed appliances, my experience with bite ramps has been pretty miserable because they're either very uncomfortable for the patient or breaking off if we're using bonding material or things like that. And that's what's so great about having the, uh, the new bite ramps with G5 is that not only are they specific where we want the pressure applied, but they literally will move as the teeth move. So we're going to be ensured a more constant pressure on the teeth throughout the treatment. So I think it's a, totally a different force system that's going to be much more efficient. Thanks, I agree. 
Okay, gentlemen, I think that does it for me. I'm going to pass the baton on to you, Dr. Mashiri. I'm anxious to hear your adult case here. I appreciate it. This is Joe, and Joe presented to the office. He's a 40-year-old adult male, and his chief concern was really overlapping of his upper and lower dentition. As we can note from the slides here, he has moderate crowding, and he obviously has a, quite a deep overbite. If we look at his photos here, we can see that he does have class 1 molar and class 2 cuspid relationships, and his lower midline at the time was off 2 millimeters to his left. From his pano here, we can see that he has uh, presence of some restorations, and he did have some moderate bone loss uh, horizontally and really generalized. And Dr. Boyd, I wanted to ask your opinion as being the resident periodontist here. What is your opinion on intruding incisors in patients that have this bone loss, even though he was cleared by his periodontist before he came to us? Well, I think that's the main thing, Dr. Mashiri, is that he's got no inflammation in his tissues. And so as long as the checks out, no bleeding on probing, uh, generally with a horizontal pattern of bone loss like this, it's okay to intrude the incisors as a group because they're all going down together. However, if you had a localized vertical defect in there and you tried to push one incisor down uh, with a localized vertical defect, then you could potentially make that defect a lot worse. So I think it should be fine in this case. You've done all the right things to get it ready. Great. I appreciate that input. On to Joseph here, we can see that he does have upright upper and lower incisors. Uh, of importance to note, as Dr. Kahneman touched on with his case, his upper incisors relative to his upper lip are at a good position for his age. So his bite opening mechanics will really be focused on just the lower arch and leveling that lower curve of speed. Uh, and again, as mentioned, both incisors upper and lower are upright. What is the treatment plan for Joe? How are we going to address his deep bite? Well, for one, uh, we're going to level the lower arch, and that's going to be mainly done by proclining the lower incisors and then intruding them. Some of the G5 enhancements that are going to aid, uh, aid the mechanics here will be the bite ramps to aid intrusion. Those are going to go on the lingual of the upper incisors. Again, I was pleased with the upper incisor position. I did not want the dimples to aid intrusion there, so we're going to have the bite ramps there to facilitate the lower movement. Uh, with the bicuspids, we're going to have the G5 attachments for retention. And, of course, on the lower, since we're getting significant amounts of intrusion, we're going to have the pressure areas to help facilitate that to direct the force down the long axis of the tooth. Regarding the angulations and incisors, as mentioned again, we are going to procline the upper and lower incisors. This facilitates really a natural type of bite opening just from proclining them. And in regards to the classification, we want to establish angle class 1, if possible, on molar and cuspid. Uh, we're going to do this by leveling. The lower curve of speed, the cuspids will go mesial as we're leveling the lower curve of speed. And then I did incorporate, uh, and I'm planning to in his treatment plan, to incorporate class 2 elastics, even though he's class 1 on the molar. Mm -hmm. I'd rather be safe than sorry. If I need them, they're there doing treatment to use. Here's a prescription form for Joe, and we can see, again, I'm just deciding to intrude the lower anterior teeth only. I was pleased with the upper incisor position. And regarding the bite ramps, we are deciding to put them on the lingual of the central uh, and lateral incisors. If I wanted the incisors to intrude, I would have opted to have them on the cuspids only. This is an important slide regarding how we're deciding to treat Joe's crowding. So on the upper, we did want to expand and procline primarily. IPR was not indicated. And I'm going to touch on this uh, as we move forward in the presentation as to why I don't want any IPR at this point. And on the lower, again, we're expanding and primarily proclining to address that, not only for bite opening, but also to help eliminate the crowding. IPR will be assessed once I look at the actual clinch check that comes back to me.
Some treatment challenges. So for Joe, one thing that Dr. Kahneman touched on, I think you did as well, Dr. Boyd, is that when we look at the actual ClinCheck and what happens clinically, sometimes the bias is open as we would want. So you want to over-treat this in the ClinCheck and get really about two more millimeters of bite opening than what you would assume would happen clinically to ensure that does occur. And then, of course, with the actual lingual root torque, uh, generally that's 10 degrees less. I think it does depend on a teenager versus adult patient. So depending on who's in the chair and who I'm treating, I will sometimes go up to 20 degrees of overcorrection for that particular movement in order to have that achieved clinically. With the treatment overview, we're seeing here uh, the legend of the new features. So the triangles are indicating the bite ramps, which are again are on the lingual of the upper incisors. And we do have the pressure areas as indicated on the lingual of the lower three to three to help facilitate the intrusion. Back to the IPR discussion. So uh, I had done a two size discrepancy on Joe, much like Dr. Boyd does, did with his adult case. And as opposed to doing restorative on the upper, we decided to address it with doing IPR on the lower. So I'm helping that number to guide the amount of IPR that I'm prescribing to help detail his occlusion and hopefully not pre to prevent those incisors from going too far labial in terms of opening up the bite. And here is his treatment plan. And as we move through here with the ClinCheck, we can see that we are getting indeed a lot of lower anterior intrusion. And this is helping to open the bite up, but we are as well overcorrecting that uh, by recommending overtreatment in the actual ClinCheck plan to establish about zero millimeters of overbite at the centrals. This is a buckle view of the ClinCheck and just showing here that we do have class two elastic setup and that we do have the attachments as Dr. Kotteman touched on, uh, one for rotation, one for root movement, but that those are sufficient enough to essentially add retention there to facilitate the lower anterior intrusion. And from the left buckle view, we're seeing now that we have that G5 attachment placed on the first bicuspid again for retention. If we look at the ClinCheck for this, we can see again we're getting lower anterior intrusion and proclination to open the bite up. So you're going to see the proclination occur first, and then once we get to a certain point, the intrusion that's occurring here. Here from the lingual, we have the bite ramps, which are going to change during treatment to make sure we have constant contact with the lower incisors. And this is a nice view showing, again, what's happening in the lower. We're getting proclination of the lower incisors first. Then once we reach a certain point, the intrusion that's happening along the long axis. Anterior overjet view, if we look here, we're getting proclination of the upper and lower incisors. But I want to again show here at the end of the ClinCheck, we have no centric contacts anteriorly. We have overtreated this case to ensure that we don't have heavy contacts anteriorly as I might create interferences and open up the bite posteriorly towards the end of treatment. And that concludes my case. Any questions or comments? Just to make a comment, first of all, I, I love the setup. I think in all of our cases we showed, number one, a very minimal overbite uh, and, and extra torque to make sure we all get where we want to go. But the other point is that you're using bite ramps to intrude the lower anteriors. Um, I was using bite ramps to intrude the lower anteriors as well, but make sure I intruded the upper centrals. And I think that's the beauty of G5 now, that we can, can use the different aspects to get the movements that we want to achieve exactly. uh, by, by programming it into the ClinCheck. Absolutely. I'm, ex I'm excited for all these innovations. It's going to further really enhance what we've already been doing for, for many years now. So I'm, I'm extremely excited to see this. 
Yeah, I, w I was glad to see you incorporate a little prevention as far as the class two situation. That was a great tip. Um, I tend to put the buttons on the second molars and put the uh, precision cuts on the first molars. Kind of got away from precision cuts on the second molar. Sometimes yes. the aligner would lift, so back to buttons down mm -hmm. there. But uh, and that was just because Invisalign patients, it's the front of the mouth. You can move the elastic one tooth back. What, what's your feeling about that? It depends on really the patient. So uh, for Joe, I kind of would concur with what you're saying. On a class 2 div 2 type patient, if the incisors are retroclined, I agree. Those elastics, if they go to a hook and pull it off uh, on him, although I didn't think I was going to wear it for the duration of treatment, I wasn't so worried about it. So I had him on there as a just-in-case versus bonding a button and potentially having uh, an emergency, for example, during treatment if you knock the button off. I was just trying to basically limit the amount of things that could maybe go in the direction I didn't want to. So I had them on there as a backup, but I agree 100%. I'd rather go button to button. Uh, but class 2 Div 1 incisors are proclined. That adds a little bit of retention for that, so I'm not so, uh, I, I don't shy away from the hook on the aligner in that situation, but it's a great point. Any comments on that one, Dr. Carterman? I think that is a great point. I, the, the class two elastics, for example, if there's going to be an optimized attachment on a cuspid that I want to keep, then I'll move it back a notch so I can keep that and still get my right. class two correction. Um, one other point that uh, came to mind, too, in, in our discussion here a little bit uh, was the fact that we have two adults and, and two children that we treated, and uh, I didn't really pay any attention to the velocity in my cases. Um, I typically find my, my cases do treat faster with Invisalign than fixed. Uh, and I, I didn't honestly pay attention. Did either of you add extra stages or do you just felt comfortable with your adults that this was going to be treated in those stages? I sometimes will add extra stages, especially for adults. But for Joe's treatment, as I watched, he had, I think, close to in the middle of 40, 45 aligners. I was comfortable with that sure. in terms of the rate of movement for him. So great, great point. But um, I'm less apt in a teenager to add aligners. I think it expresses easier. The metabolism's higher. Teeth move more predictably, in my opinion, in a teenage patient. But for adults, sometimes I will add it on. And, and that makes sense because Ronan had 24 aligners, for example. So you're 45 for, for Joe. Yeah. Yes. And also, they generally do torque at one degree per stage. So if you ask for 45 degrees <laughs> of torque, you're going to get 45 stages. There you are. That's right. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Moshiri. That was a very interesting case. And thank you also, Dr. Kotterman, for your interesting contribution. And I'd also like to thank our audience at this point for joining us. Now, what we'd like to do now is a question and answer period. 